Hello and welcome to The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. It's Nikki Ryan here standing in for Sinead O'Carroll, and this week we're looking at why we don't have a government yet. The fact that we don't isn't hugely surprising given the photo finish general election result earlier this month. Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin and Fianna Gael all came in pretty much neck and neck. And although we've been in a roughly similar situation with a load of elections since the formation of the state, it hasn't been quite as pronounced as this. And how they can chart a path forward now is very, very murky. The past few days have felt a lot like political speed dating as party leaders meet up to discuss what they like or dislike about each other, but it won't be as simple as a couple of parties finding that they hit it off. They need support from others across the political spectrum to form a majority government. As it drags on, it could end up looking less and less like speed dating and more like cattle at a mart. And during all of this, there is still a country of almost 5 million people to run. To explain what we can expect over the coming days and weeks, and what exactly happened with the vote for Taoiseach, in which Mary Lou Macdonald secured the most votes, we're lucky to have a range of political experts joining us today. We have our very own political correspondent Christina Finn, as well as DCU politics professor Gary Murphy. But first on the line is Gavin Riley, political correspondent with Virgin Media News and formerly of this parish in the now distant past, to take a quick look at the numbers involved and who's talking to who. Gavin, we've heard a lot about the parties needing to secure a majority and that's something that no one can do right now. What is the magic number of seats they need and why is it so important? The magic number in theory is 80. And that is, I say in theory, because the idea is that there are 160 members of the Dáil, but the Count Corla doesn't usually vote. So there's 159 left and 80 is a majority of that. But as we've seen in the last Dáil, you don't always have to hit that magic number. The magic number in the previous Dáil was 79. But in actual fact, when Enda Kenny was appointed four years ago, he was able to get by with 59. And that is because when you have confidence in supply or other parties can abstain, you are left with a situation where the actual magic number is lower because the way the doll works and the way the, the, the system works when you're appointing a Taoiseach is that you only need a majority of those who actually show up to vote. You don't always necessarily need a majority of the whole House. So, for example, if you could get Fine Gael to abstain now, you took their 35 TDs off the table, you wouldn't have a a doll of 160, you'd have a doll of 124, and that would mean that 63 would be a majority. But knowing that that confidence in supply isn't exactly flavour of the month with any of the major parties right now, then the number that they're all aiming for until they could figure out some other way is 80. And you mentioned there in terms of having a minority government. Um, Is it worthwhile having a minority government if you don't have an arrangement like what Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil had during the previous doll in terms of confidence in supply? Is there any way forward to run a minority government without that kind of backing? There, there isn't really in practice. I mean, I, I know that the, some of the left-wing TDs from Solidarity People Before Profit were touting this as an idea in the last couple of days that they said that if Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are challenging uh, the left-leaning parties to form a government and to make it work, that they could actually just abstain, have no confidence in supply agreement, and then deal with each thing in the doll on a case-by-case basis. Now, we have kind of tinkered with, with some circumstances like that before. Um, there was a day back in history where Fianna Fáil would just refuse to consider entering into a coalition with anybody at all and they would have slightly more ad hoc arrangements sort of like confidence and supply where they would basically just test the confidence of the house every time they needed to and that they wouldn't really have it formalized um, but in the current day with the, the opposition being so fragmented it wouldn't really work uh, all that comfortably that you'd be looking over your shoulder any day of the week that you could have the opposition parties putting down a motion of no confidence in an individual minister or in the entire government and you really couldn't be guaranteed that you'd ever survive it and you could be facing a, a snap general election 
basically on any day of the week. So it's it's not really viable. You could, in theory, construct a government without a confidence and supply deal, uh, but you would sort of need a confidence and supply deal to keep it up and running afterwards or else it would collapse pretty quickly again afterwards. And that's what we're looking at here um, in terms of no one having a majority. And on Thursday, um, the doll voted for Taoiseach and even though Mary Lou Macdonald received the most votes, it simply wasn't 80. And that's kind of it then done. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, in effect, yeah. And, and obviously the Sinn Féin um, TDs and their supporters drew a lot of symbolism from the fact that this would have been the first time ever that when there was a vote for Taoiseach that a Sinn Féin candidate would have got more votes than anyone else. But as you said, the magic number being 80, um, that it, it really is a kind of an empty victory because it doesn't bring her any closer. It's not as if the person nearest to the prize actually is allowed to claim the office, that you do need to have the full majority of those voting. And as, as long as it is the case that the other two big parties will vote against the nominee of the third, then, then really you're no one is going to get any closer and I suppose that the difficulty for Sinn Féin now is that because they were able to get eight other voters uh, to back Mary Lou Macdonald in the first sitting th- there's a question really as to how exactly you might go about getting any more that you know will you be able to get the support of the Green Party maybe or the Social Democrats or has Mary Lou Macdonald already reached the ceiling of, of the numbers that she'll be able to put together And on that note in terms of looking at other parties for their support what's what are the most obvious combinations right now for coalition that would make up the numbers numbers. Uh, well, if you take, uh, and this is without casting judgment on whether any of them would work or whether the parties would be up for it, basically any combination of the biggest two parties is going to leave you with somewhere between 72 and 74 seats. And then, so all you would need to do is tack on the Green Party's 12 TDs after that, and you'd already have a majority. So any two out of Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin or Fine Gael and the Green Party would make it over the line. So then within that, you have to look at which is actually the most you know possible combination. And um, based on what we heard in the Dáil Chamber on Thursday night with some of the invective traded between Barry Lou Macdonald and Micheál Martin, it is difficult to foresee those two parties being able to, to, to mend their wounds and to piece together any sort of working coalition afterwards. And um, We also know that Fine Gael has completely ruled out the contemplation of going into government with Sinn Féin because they just don't believe that their ideology or their, their tax approaches are in any way compatible. So really you're left with the, the only pairing that might potentially be feasible would be Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, the, the two historical rivals who have you know monopolised power between them for close to a century now. The, them coming together would have 72 votes in the doll, I think, if my numbers are right. Um, you throw in the, the 12 Green Party TDs and then you have 84, which is a comfortable enough uh, majority. Um, the, the thing to bear in mind, though, is that it's not only just up to the TDs of those parties to decide whether they should enter government, that in the case of the six largest parties in the current doll, um, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin, Labour, Social Democrats and the Greens, you'd all need to have special party conferences where not just the TDs, but the members of the party themselves all vote in favour of it. And I think there's a lot of doubt within uh, both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael that even if push came to shove and they were able to, to convince their TDs to enter into this uneasy marriage with their historical rival, you couldn't always be sure that the membership would be on board as well and you still could find yourself being plunged into a, a second election because the members wouldn't ratify the numbers. You mentioned there about the, maybe the Greens going in with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael if they did manage to overcome all those stumbling blocks. Would the SOC Dems have any say in this as well or would they be, would, would they be someone who'd be considered as as well as the Greens or as an alternative to the Greens? 
Uh, well, they couldn't be an alternative to the Greens just because of the way the numbers would work now that Fianna Fáil has lost one of its TDs in, in Sean O'Friel being the count coordinator. So if you add uh, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael's numbers together, you get 72. And even then, if you put in the Social Democrats six, you're still only at 78 and you'd still need the support of another couple of people to get it over the line. And, and that is why the Green Party would be the most obvious uh, companion for, for that marriage. Um, but it would be possible for the Social Democrats to be rolled in uh, on top of the Green Party because I suppose governments do always like to have more than the bare minimum of numbers. They do always like to have a little bit of extra numbers because, you know, dolls are unpredictable things and you might have individual people who, who might resign from parties over time or people who might fall out or have some sort of policy difference and who might walk away. So they do always like to have a little bit of, of extra comfort in the numbers. And if you had Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, the Green Party and the Social Democrats, I think you'd be up to 90 if my numbers are right. So you would have a little bit more comfort. Um, the Social Democrats, though, just as one caveat to that, have said in the past that they, they don't really foresee the idea of returning Fine Gael to government as being the delivery of change that they feel like they've been instructed to sort of deliver. And even in their first meetings with Fianna Fáil, they didn't seem to be too convinced that what Meany Hall Martin was putting on the table looked an awful lot like change either. So no doubt there will be a, a pursuit of extra numbers like the Social Democrats just to, to pad out the numbers and to give the new government a bit of comfort. But the Social Democrats seem a little bit wary or a little bit dubious about putting either of Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil into power and I imagine they might be quite reluctant then to put both of them in at the same time. And when we're talking about padding out the numbers, obviously there's a fairly large smattering of independence in this stall. Um, they could be brought into play. How do they hold that kind of, that very important balance of power in the middle of all of this? Well, I suppose it is, you know, it's in a, precisely the sort of doll like this where the numbers are so fragmented that you just go to, to illustrate just how, how important they can be. Because let's say, for example, go back to, to what we were talking about a moment ago. If you take out the Green Party but put in the Social Democrats instead uh, alongside Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, then you'd be at 78. You could decide to add in another party or you could decide to go to a coherent group of independents. And there are already two groups of independents that have formally you know, gotten together in this new doll and um, add in either one of them and then you were over the line. Uh, so it does illustrate the sort of the power that independents have had. Obviously, we saw that very potently in the last election, where uh, in the aftermath of the general election, where there was no obvious winners, um, the Independent Alliance came together with their uh, five seats that they eventually had, and were able to negotiate their way into power uh, uh, on a specific platform of getting, you know, a certain amount of clientelism or local deals for those TDs, local constituencies. So they can be quite powerful. And um, what is worth noting is that when the Dáil was voting on the prospective Taoiseach on Thursday night. Michal Martin did have the support of four other independents and they're not necessarily you know, permanently committed to Fianna Fáil but he did have the support so you might even say that Fianna Fáil is not only starting with 37 uh, votes it could actually be starting with 41 so if you add those 41 together with Fine Gael then the Social Democrats would be enough to get them over the line so it is an illustration of, of just how much importance they can wield And let's say now that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael do end up agreeing on some sort of form of coalition and the Greens or the Sock Dems are brought in and maybe a cult of independence. We've heard that after all of this, we may also have to have an arrangement of a rotating Taoiseach. How would that work or what way have people suggested it might work? Uh, how, how it work is, is something where we honestly, we don't know because there is no precedent for there being a rotating Taoiseach in Ireland. It was something that was floated in the past, but generally speaking, whenever we've had coalitions, it has been with one clearly large partner and then one clearly smaller partner. Like Even in, in 2011, when Fine Gael and Labour came together and they had 111 seats out of the 166 in the Dáil, it was still a circumstance where um, the, you know one party was clearly dominant and therefore there was no question of Labour being able to lay claim to the office of Taoiseach. No 
no matter which arrangement it is of which two of the three big parties might come together in this instance, you'd have a situation where there is only two seats, if anything, between them. Fianna Fáil and, and Sinn Féin are now level in terms of seats and Fine Gael is only two behind them. So it would have to be seen as, as less of a big partner, little partner and more of a, a marriage of equals. And in those circumstances, you'd, you'd have to have a situation really where the two parties would take turns holding the country's highest office. Now, how it works, as I said, because there's no precedent, we don't know. Constitutionally speaking, whenever a Taoiseach resigns and hands over the reins, strictly speaking, the rest of the government is also considered to have resigned as well. And that is the case as of Thursday night when Leo Varadkar handed over his resignation, having lost the numbers in the door. Um, so you would, strictly speaking, have a situation where in trying to rotate the office of Taoiseach, you would actually have the entire government resigning or being sacked, uh, albeit perhaps only for a few hours. Um, the, the only precedent that we have for, for ministries or, or ministerial jobs being rotated is the case in the last door where we couldn't have agreement between which of two independent alliance TDs were going to get a junior ministry, Sean Canny or Kevin Boxer Moore, and they ended up deciding to just toss a coin to decide who would go first. Uh, and they, there was always this assumption that the job would rotate between them, uh, you know, 12 months at a time. What ended up happening was that uh, Kevin Boxer Moore decided that he liked the job so much that he wasn't prepared to give it up. And Sean Canny resigned from the alliance because he wasn't going to get the job back. So there, there, there is always that sense of you have to act in good faith and presume that the person who holds the job now will be prepared to do the honourable thing and to resign and hand it over when the time comes. But because we have no history of there being a rotating Taoiseach, you can't be entirely sure that uh, two historical rivals, whether it is Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, whether it is Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin, would actually have the goodwill to make it all happen in practice. And I mean, if I was given the job of being Taoiseach for a couple of years and then next thing you came along, you were like, well, it's my turn now, I'd be like, oh... But I'm having a lot of fun doing this. Like, I don't really want to give it up. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I mean, there are a lot of nice perks and trappings that come with the office. But, but do bear in mind as well that, you know, in, no matter what, what arrangement comes to power, it's strictly speaking, yes, the doll is supposed to last for five years and any government that comes out of it should last for five years as well. But you can never be totally sure that the government will last for its full duration. So even if, you know, the, the new programme for government, you have uh, two parties that agree to work with each other for three years, then you'd be expecting to rotate the office after 18 months. But what if the whole thing collapses in the space of 12 months? You'd have a situation where one party has entered into government expecting to have the Office of Taoiseach for a while and then to have the whole thing collapse before it works. So you, you probably need to have a very robust programme for government. You probably need to be, like I said, just over the majority of 80. But you'd probably need to have um, you know, quite a lot of good faith between the parties that if push came to shove and we thought the shelf life was going to expire a little bit earlier, that one might be prepared to hand over and let the other have a turn. And now, Gav, what the hell is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen over the next few weeks? <laughs> and, uh, a lot of talking and probably not a huge amount of progress, uh, I dare say. Uh, what was very fascinating was that in the aftermath of Thursday night's votes where nobody got elected, that we did have confirmation from government buildings that Leo Varadkar was at least going to have to st start having exploratory talks with both Michal Martin and Fianna Fáil and with the Green Party. And although... You know, the Fine Gael position is that they, they see themselves as having lost votes and lost seats and therefore they have no instruction or right to enter into government. You know, that, that when push comes to shove, if you're offered a place in government and the alternative is that or another general election, a lot of people would prefer to have a go in government, uh, you know, particularly if we're talking about a rotating Taoiseach where Leo Varadkar might get 
another stint in, in government buildings. So I think the fact that he is willing to talk to those th- two parties, even on a sort of a non-committal basis, might suggest that Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Greens is maybe the most likely one to come about. Uh, but the Green Party have committed to having pretty extensive discussions with each of the three other big parties uh, to, to figure out exactly what sort of arrangement can be made. It is not unthinkable that uh, the Green Party could end up being the kingmakers and deciding which two should come together. Um, but given the uh, just simply the comments in the doll on Thursday night when everything was being wrapped up and the, the, the way that the numbers fall and the historical positions, I suspect that when push comes to shove, uh, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Green Party might be the arrangement that comes together. But how long it takes and crucially, like I said at the start, whether the membership will back it is another question entirely. Thank you, Gavin. Um, and as you mentioned there, there was an awful lot of carry-on in the doll yesterday. Here's a little bit of what happened. I now put the question that Deputy O'Farrell, who is the successful candidate duly selected by secret ballot by the members of Dáil Éireann, be elected and do now take the chair of the doll as Ceann Corla. Is that agreed? agreed? Now we move ahead with the very important business that is nomination of Taoiseach. Today the Dáil has failed to agree on the nomination of a Taoiseach. Therefore, in accordance with the precedent set in 1989 and followed in 1992 and 2016, immediately after today's sitting is concluded, I will travel to Arsenukteron to inform the President of my resignation from this office and that of the Government. When Deputy Macdonald says that our party sees no reason to change its behaviour and that they insist that they be brought into government as they are, we fully take Deputy Macdonald at her word. It's up to others to justify themselves if they accept that Sinn Féin's practices are of no concern to them. However, they have no right to demand of us that we join them in accepting these practices. So I hope that you will change that position, but perhaps you won't. But listen to this, if you don't, whether you do or whether you don't, the people who vote for us aren't going anywhere. This idea of Western Democratic Constitutional Republican is actually under threat at this moment in history in our time. And we have the opportunity as a parliament to rise above it. And we will convene next week as a matter of urgency the business committee to begin the process of planning what work we can undertake. Now in accordance with the agreement of the whips of yesterday afternoon I'm going to ask the Taoiseach if he will move the adjournment of the House until Thursday the 5th of March at 2pm. I so move. Is that agreed? Some fairly crucial speeches there yesterday during the very first sitting of the new doll. So Gavin took us through the arithmetic of how the numbers add up and different combinations that might allow a government to be formed. Christina Finn and Gary Murphy are here with me now to run through a bit more about the mechanics of how this will all work going forward. But also we talk about how groundbreaking this election is but like we've been here before we've had the situation where we haven't been able to form a majority government straight off the bat so we're going to look at that as well um but christina what exactly happened yesterday well it was the first uh, day of the 33rd doll so there was a lot of the newly elected newbie tds arriving to much fanfare with their families 
and it was the first sitting. So yesterday they had to get down to business and the first order of the day was to elect the Ken Corla of the House and then also to have votes on the nomination for the next Taoiseach. What was the election to Ken Corla all about? I mean, how does that process work? Well, it's very similar to how we actually voted in the last general election uh, through a PRS TV system. Um, so sometimes a Ken Corla, there might be just one person going forward for the job, but this time there was a competition. So we had Sean O'Farrell and also... Also, Dennis Nocton went forward uh, for that position. So uh, Sean had actually served previously in the last all and was uh, seeking re-election and he's successful in that. So they both got up in the doll, made their pitch um, you know, Sean saying, look at my record, look at the doll reform that I've brought in. And he mentioned he'd set up things like the Women's Caucus and um, other doll business committees and the like. And Dennis Nocton made the pitch that he thought there was um, a lack of accountability in some of the answers, perhaps, that were during Tisha's questions and things. And he wanted to bring about changes. Ultimately, then the TDs all went and vote by secret ballot. So this is the second time I think they've voted uh, through a secret ballot. So we don't know which way or who voted for who. But the numbers um, came out on the side of Shauna Farrell. And you mentioned some of the different roles they would have in the doll. They're essentially there to keep order and kind of keep the process moving along. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, well, I suppose a lot of people would know the Ken Corla from, you know, the clips that you see on television, you know, resume your seat or kicking people out of the doll when there's a bit of an argy-bargy, but there is a lot more to it behind the scenes. They're on a lot of the business committee, the setting out the business of the day. Um, they have to be really up to speed on standing orders of the doll, which are essentially the rules that govern how um, the doll interacts with each other. Um, so there is a lot of work be- behind the scenes, but someone would probably want the job, I suppose, because it guarantees that you're re-elected um, the next time around. So it means the pressure is off, I suppose, um, in the next general election. But it is a very prestigious role um, for the House and it's one that you're meant to be impartial regardless of what party that Mm. you come from. And I suppose you kind of outlined there why someone will put themselves forward because obviously you're going to get re-elected again. It is this um, important role to hold in the House and it's kind of almost a mark of respect as well if you're voted into it. But we're looking at a doll where the numbers are so slim and because of this Fianna Fáil have now lost essentially one of their votes. Why would a party put someone forward to hold his position, especially now when the numbers are so tight. Well, yeah, the numbers are very tight this time around. And I do know there was some concern um, with the, with Sean Farrell's re-election um, prior to it. A few Fianna Fáil TDs I spoke to said they were concerned about the numbers. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it, he had held the role before and it, it was, an, I suppose, an easy vote for them. But at the same time, some people were saying maybe it would have been better to have an independent um, because it wouldn't have affected the numbers. Uh, there was the likes of Catherine Murphy had sort of toyed with the idea and there was talk about possibly having, obviously, the first female Ken Corla, which I think would have actually been a really good thing to see. But um, at the end of the day, the numbers are the way they are, but you do need someone to fill that position. So now we have a doll sitting, we have a Count Corla, but can the doll actually pass any legislation? And Gary, you have your constitution book right there in front of you. 
Does that shed any light on this? Uh, it does a little bit, Nikki. And um, yeah, I bring my constitution everywhere with me uh, in these uh, trying times. Uh, yeah, Article 28.4.1 says the government shall be responsible to Dáil Éireann. It's very short, simple. Uh, it's a rule, a constitutional rule that really hasn't uh, had much effect over the history of the state simply because we've had mostly majority governments or coalition governments with, with decent uh, majorities. Um, it really didn't uh, hold in the last uh, confidence and supply government because of the, the government's constant use of money messages, uh, which was really... Um, what exactly is a money message? This is the idea that if an, if an opposition uh, comes forward with some sort of legislation or proposal that the government can veto it uh, on the grounds that it costs money, um, no more complicated and than that, and the governments have budgetary control. So to go back to your question, yeah, the government could pass legislation over the course of the next couple of months uh, but the Taoiseach uh, acting Taoiseach now Leo Radker said yesterday in the Dáil that that wasn't his aim uh, because the government had lost its uh, its mandate so we're in a kind of a caretaker position until a government uh, can be formed or if a government can be formed and obviously that's something I want to ask about as well this caretaker position because Leo Radker went to the IRS last night resigned but He's still Taoiseach, kind of, a little bit. What's going yeah, on he's there? A, he's the caretaker Taoiseach. Uh, this time, the first time we had this really was in 1989 um, when Fianna Fáil called an election, Charles Hawley called an election that he really didn't need to call uh, in the expectation in June of 89 that he would win an overall majority. He didn't, and we had a slight interregnum, something like now, but less time um, where he was putting together a coalition with the PDs but when that group doll came back for the first time it couldn't elect the Taoiseach and he was forced to resign uh, mainly by, by Dick Spring um, who, who said that he had no he had no mandate so he had to go to uh, the then uh, president uh, Patrick Hillary and uh, offered his resignation and became a caretaker. So we have precedent for this. Uh, we also saw it in 2016 uh, with uh, with Enda Kenny. So we're in a we're in a care and, and it's provided for in the constitution as well. So we are in a, a caretaker position until the new 33rd Dáil can elect uh, a Taoiseach. And as we saw yesterday, uh, it didn't happen, and it might take some time. So yet. Essentially, as was Leo Varadkar can sort of carry on the the, the normal duties. Yeah, he'll go to he'll go to goes to Washington the White House, goes to Washington. Um, I think Shane Ross was in Sweden this week at a road safety conference. So he remains doing the uh, Minister for Transport duties. So everyone sort of carries on as normal to a certain degree until we actually get something off the ground. And so if we do have some sort of massive crisis, particularly something could happen with Brexit over the next few weeks, is that there will be an Irish government who will be able to take control Certainly, of it. Certainly, yeah. yeah. And um, and I think that's ex- that's, um, that's that's seen as the case by, by all the opposition uh, parties as well, that the government would still uh, continue its duties. And you're quite right, Nicky, Brexit is, is important. There are meetings going on. Uh, there will be certainly meetings in, in March as these trade talks ramp up. Um, so it is important that we have a government and we we can reassure listeners that there is a government in place if there was some catastrophic crisis uh, emerge it would actually be people to uh, deal with it I suppose people might think of you know like the government shutdowns in the US we're not heading towards any sort of situation no. like that at all um, we mentioned that the Taoiseach last night went to the IRS to tender his resignation does the president have any sort of role in this um, process of trying to form a government well, um, President Michael D. Higgins does have sort of a stand back role to a certain degree at the moment. Um, it's very much let them off, all everyone talk to everybody and see what comes back. And then obviously whoever successful would go and, and, and seek a mandate to set up a government. But if it came to the case where 
the talks were unsuccessful um, and the Taoiseach went back and said uh, to Michael D, well, we've tried everything and we can't get something off the ground. Um, Michael D. Higgins, I think, does have the power to yeah. sort of send people back and say, hold on a minute, you've been given a mandate. I see that Gary has the constitution Well, he does, again. an article, and it's very useful, really, and it's very short, and people should all, everyone should have a copy, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, article 13.2.2, uh, the President may, in his absolute discretion, refuse to dissolve Dáil Éireann on the advice of a teacher who has ceased to retain the support of a majority in Dáil Éireann. Now, that would be a scenario normally where a, a government uh, was, was in office and then had lost a vote um, and had lost confidence. Um... But in this particular case, because the doll has just begun, it, it's a bit more uh, nebulous, I think. Uh, but nevertheless, I think Christina is right. Uh, if uh, after, let's say, two months, or we're getting towards the end of April, something like happened um, uh, four years ago, uh, the president could say, you know, the election is the election. Uh, the people have spoken. Uh, would they speak any differently in a few months' time? They might, but they might not. And he could say, have another go. But I think eventually... You know, you can't keep saying have another go if uh, a month after that. I mean, if we're getting into the summer, I think another election is all but inevitable. And we are kind of in these strange doldrum times where we're just kind of rumbling on to figure out if anyone can actually talk to each other and form some sort of coalition. I mean, where do we go from here now? We go back to more talks. I mean, there are bilateral talks ongoing. Uh, the Greens are having bilateral talks with lots of people, Sinn Féin uh, and Fianna Fáil. And yesterday, of course, we saw that the Taoiseach, to use that awful American phrase, reached out uh, to Michal Martin and said that he, they were happy to have some sort of bilateral negotiations. Now, Fianna Gael are very strongly of the view, and I think it's, 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 it certainly is, uh, is their view, that they should go into opposition. Whether they're trying to force Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin into a coalition is another point. Um, but we'll have talks, and uh, these talks will go on quite a while because the bilateral will some at some stage have to become trilateral or quadrilateral even um, so uh, yeah but uh, we're in we're in a talk situation it's an interesting one because the talks people listening will be what are they talking about what's and you talk about exploratory talks and preliminary talks and what exactly is going on but essentially everybody had manifestos that they got elected on Nobody got a majority. So the idea is to see what policies could be cobbled together. What's what's one issue that we have some sort of agreement on? But when you think about it, everybody has a lot of wants and a lot of needs. And to get everybody in a room and actually agree something like that takes can take a very long time. It's essentially finding those points where they can both compromise on something. Even if it is very important to them, they might still need to compromise. Yeah, and they are very, I suppose, behind the doors talks. You know, they're not out in the open. I think it was John McGuinness from Fianna Fáil last night um, saying he didn't understand why we couldn't be having debates in the doll about the issues that are being discussed behind those closed doors because it is something that the the public actually don't get a view of. So back in 2016, I remember the talks going on between um, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and the Independent Alliance and they were held down in Trinity College. So it's, it's, it's something that will probably happen, I think, next week with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin. Neutral ground tends to be found somewhere, be it in Trinity College, somewhere nearby Kildare Street, where 
people can actually speak their mind. Um, but um, it's it's an interesting sort of playbook. And it was it was, it was interesting in the doll yesterday, notwithstanding the sort of uh, you know vituperative comments between Michal Martin and Mary Lou Macdonald. That policy was was central to all uh, the speeches. So. Uh, clearly, yeah, you're right, uh, Nikki. There will have to be some compromise if we are to get a, uh, a government. There are still a couple of choices. So obviously, we have a huge, broad spectrum of different options on the table right now. But if Mihal, Mary Lou, and Leo are going home and getting their history books out, they will find that we do have a rich history of coalitions over the years. Um, which of those should they be looking? to um for either advice or warnings from i mean the first one we had was the first inter-party government which i think a lot of people will remember from their secondary school textbooks but not, might yeah. not know much about our david mccullough the rte broadcaster has written a tremendous book uh, called a makeshift majority on that uh, on that government so basically that was an anti-fianna fall government uh, fianna fall had been in power since 1932 um and they had won the 1948 election or had got the most seats but there was i think seven off a a majority, and they had been off majorities in previous elections, but had cobbled together a minority government under De Valera. And uh, but this time, Fine Gael, Clonna Public, Clonna Tulloon, Labour, National Labour, and one independent, James Dillon, who was formerly a Fine Gael, got together and uh, and got a majority in the, in the Dáil and governed for for three years until 1951. But what held them together, and that was a very disparate group from the the left. Uh, to you know, Fine Gael and the centre right uh, was an anti Fianna Fáil uh, agenda. There, that, that government lost power in fifty one, but in fifty four we had a, we had a similar uh, iteration uh, of it. Um, so that's one certainly uh, to look at now. And I suppose that's incredible when you look back at it and see that there were actually when people talk now about how the hell can all of these parties agree with each other, we did actually have a situation where five very different parties all came together and decided right, we're going to go into government together. Indeed, but the thing, the difference then, of course, was that you had Fianna Fáil in power for 16 years since 1932. I mean, they had written a new constitution in 37. They had taken Ireland through the quaintly titled emergency, World War II. Um, and uh, no, it came as no bigger surprise to anyone, but that Eamon de Valera himself, when he lost uh, uh, lost power. But but yeah, you, you can get strange um, coalitions. And to, in more modern times, the listeners will be interested, of course, in the famous Fianna Fáil PD coalition of 1989 um, Charles Hawhey had lost no he didn't lose the election but he didn't get a majority uh, Fianna Fáil won the most seats uh, then there was talks going on uh, but there was other talks between Charles Hawhey as leader of Fianna Fáil and Des O'Malley his, his hated enemy who left Fianna Fáil uh, a few years earlier to form the PDs uh, because of mainly a personality dispute with Hawhey um, and they came together and found a most unlikely coalition when Fianna Fáil for the first time coalesced um, so they're two to, to certainly look at So if people are now scrambling for their secondary school textbooks they might also find the find mention of the Rainbow Coalition what was that? Yeah, the Rainbow Coalition was a government of Fianna Gael, uh, Labour and Democratic Left, which uh, took office in uh, in 1994. But what was interesting about that government was that it came after the Fianna Fáil Labour government of 92 to 94, uh, which uh, was formed after the November 1992 uh, general election um, so we had a change of government without an election in 1994 after Fianna Fáil and Labour uh, split basically um, over uh, again personality clashes between Albert Reynolds and, and Dick Spring and, and the Beef Tribunal and, and lots of other complicated uh, reasons what's interesting about the Rainbow Coalition is that John Bruton two years earlier in 1992 after the election 
and that 92 election was interesting as the first time Fianna Fáil went under 40% of the vote uh, he said under no circumstances would he ever go into government with Democratic Left the Democratic Left of course were the offshoot of uh, the Workers Party who were an offshoot of Sinn Féin the Workers Party um, who, who had sort of links with again uh, subversive organisations and he said under no circumstances would he do it he then found himself in opposition uh, and when the government collapsed he insisted he still wouldn't go into government with Democratic Left and then a few weeks later did. And that government actually operated quite successfully in many ways from... um from 94 to the summer of 97 when uh, it sought re-election and uh, and was defeated and we had a Fianna Fáil progressive Democrat uh, coalition but there were certainly unlikely partners Fianna Gael and Democratic Labour Labour was a kind of glue that held the, the two of them uh, together but as a, as a government they oper- it operated perfectly uh, seamlessly um, now the big question of course is would either two big parties take a big leap with Sinn Féin uh, this time and on yesterday's uh, evidence that seems unlikely and Christina, a recent example of a interesting coalition was obviously 2016, where we had Fine Gael minority government with independence, but with confidence and supply as well from Fianna Fáil. How did that work? Well, yeah, that was sort of a new um, idea at the time because the numbers, again, didn't really add up for the party of Fine Gael. So we had 70 days of talks. So I'm not sure what day we're at at the moment, but we could be in for a lot longer if last time around is anything to go by. So they were in talks with a lot of different parties about setting up a government and cobbling together the numbers. Ultimately, it came down to Fine Gael talking to the newly formed Independent Alliance, which was made up of the likes of Shane Ross and Finian McGrath and so on, um, and also other independents like Dennis Nocton and Sapone. Um, but they still needed Fianna Fáil to back them in that government. So the newfangled idea of confidence and supply came about, which basically meant that Fianna Fáil were not in government, as some people might say that they were, but... They were not, and confidence and supply basically involves um, Fianna Fáil abstaining on votes of particular importance. So, say, um, issues around motions of confidence ministers and also on budgetary matters. So the jury is kind of out on whether that worked as well as it could have, whether it benefited Fianna Gael as much as they would have wanted, or even if it has kind of tarnished Fianna Fáil now a bit because they have, as you're saying, some people would say they were kind of in government for the past few years. Now, very quickly, Christina, because this is very complicated, what do you think is going to happen over the next few months? God, um, I predict, I think, that it'll end up being a grand coalition between Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and possibly the Greens thrown in there. Previously, I would have said maybe Fianna Fáil might buckle to Sinn Féin, but after last night's speeches, I don't think that's on the cards. One final question for you, Gary. Um, if anyone's inspired by you carrying the Constitution around with your work, can they get a copy of the Constitution? And well, you can get a copy in all good bookshops. Well, I'm heading out to a good bookshop now. And it's very short, and it's, it's very you, you can you can stick it in your pocket. It's a nice, accessible read, indeed. Gary, Christina, thank you very much for joining us on the Explainer. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Gary, Christina and Gavin for putting our heads straight on this. Gary also joined us for our first ever live edition of The Explainer a couple of weeks ago. You can listen back to that and all of our other episodes in our back catalogue. There's now 52 episodes there. So there's an episode for every week of the year and they range from topics such as the PSC to Brexit to eating less meat to the black and tans to the coronavirus. There's something for everyone there, really. This episode was produced by Fabari with executive producer Christine Bohan. I'm Nikki Ryan and I was assistant producer, tech operator, and as you can hear, I also presented the episode. Thanks again for listening.